Every once in a while, you come across a story of someone who truly inspires you, whether it's through great achievements or great persistence in the face of adversity. At the Tallarico Group, we often preach the importance of embracing the mentality of a victor rather than that of a victim. And if there's one person who shares that attitude, it's 26-year-old Austin Hatch. In 2003, Hatch's father was piloting Austin and the rest of his family from their cabin in Michigan to their home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. But tragedy struck due to equipment failure, and the six-seater airplane crashed, taking the lives of Austin's sister, his brother, and his mother. Only Austin and his father survived. For some, the suffering involved with losing your family in a plane crash would be cause for hopelessness. But Austin and his father found strength in their own survival and gratitude for being able to walk away from the wreckage. Unfortunately, Austin's story of heartbreak didn't end in 2003. Eight years later, on June 24, 2011, just nine days after making a commitment to play basketball for the Michigan Wolverines, he and his father boarded another plane with Austin's stepmother, Kimberly Neal. This plane crashed, claiming both his father and stepmother, and leaving Austin in a coma for eight weeks. Austin's story could have been one of tragedy and sorrow, but instead, he chose to make it one of dedication, optimism, and grit. Despite numerous broken bones, a traumatic brain injury, and the loss of his family, Austin fought to return to basketball against all odds. Today, we're honored and privileged to speak with Austin about his journey and his attitude that's helped him make it through adversity, and we're truly inspired by his accomplishments. Welcome to the Total Growth Podcast. Well, hey, welcome back to another episode of Total Growth. Uh, You know, these things keep getting more and more exciting for me as we have incredible guests like Austin Hatch, who's with us today. So, Austin, thank you so much for your time and for being with us here today. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor and a privilege. Yeah, you know, a few weeks back, I posted something, I guess it was about a month or so ago, I posted something on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, we do these videos on LinkedIn of up, we try to have them be encouraging, uplifting messages. And shortly thereafter, I got this notification from LinkedIn that said, Austin Hatch liked you or follows you and connected with you. And I was like, huh, who's this? So I looked at you and I did a little research and lo and behold, I went, wow, this guy followed me and he has a pretty incredible story. I was, I was drawn to your story, Austin. And then we were able to get you to spend some time with us today. Uh, in our in- intro, Evan told, uh, told our listeners a little bit about your background and your story and how what brought us to today. And and what an incredible testament you are to the power of resilience, the power of comeback, and uh, you know this incredible power to uh, overcome obstacles and find joy in life. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, you know the mottos you said you come into the day with, and and how we find you here today? Yeah, well, um, you know, so I'm sure Evan kind of recapped a little bit of my life story, mm-hmm. um, but to reiterate at a high level, I was. You know, I had born to an incredible family in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, um, had a, you know, the kind of childhood that most kids would dream of. But tragically, on, you know, on September first, two thousand three, when I was just eight years old, we were involved in a plane crash that claimed the lives of my mom, my sister, my oldest, my mom, my older sister Lindsay, and younger brother Ian. Um, and you know, I, you know, my dad and I, it was extremely tough to keep keep moving forward, but we did. And, my dad set an example for me, and 
yeah, you know, so we, we kept moving forward and, you know, find a way to keep living in their honor. And eventually my dad was remarried and um, we had a great blended family. But then, you know, I committed to Michigan. I, I accepted a scholarship to play in Michigan on June 15th, 2011 um, from Coach Beeline. He offered me a play, which was an honor. And I, and I looked forward to a great career at Michigan, hopefully. But then, you know, nine days later, tragically, I was involved in a, another plane crash that claimed the lives of my dad and second mom. And left me in, you know, in, in a coma for about two and a half months. And yeah, you know, I just looked at that. I looked at those circumstances, and um, I would say, you know, of all the life models, I think my biggest one is we can't control our circumstances. We, we can't control the adversity we face, but we can always control how we choose to respond, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone on the, everyone listening to this today is facing something. Everyone in the world is dealing. No, out of this, whatever you know, there's eight billion people. I think they say eight billion now. Mm-hmm. Every, all eight billion of those people are facing something, and or seven billion, whatever the number is. Everyone in the world is facing something. That's right. And there's a lot of pain. No one has control over that, but we can all control how we choose to respond to it. Yeah, I love that, and I, you know, I love how you. Uh, <clears throat> when I was watching your story, the ESPN, which Evan linked to uh, the podcast here, uh, when I was watching that, Coach Beeline said how it, he was shocked when he would communicate with you how you shared with him. Look, I'm blessed. I've had two bad days in my life, and it's unbelievable to me how many how you have that perspective and how few people would. That motivated me. You know, I, I love that view that you have of the world, that you've had really two bad days in life and the rest of it's been pretty blessed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you know, two bad days, that's not to say there haven't been tough days, you know, on the road to recovery and dealing with all the losses and everything that I've had to deal with, which is, you know, it's terrible that I've had to deal with that. But um, I can't let two bad days outshine all the other good ones. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, this may or may not be appropriate to say, but I think out of, you know, out of the, the out of the seven or eight billion people in the world, whatever the number is, like, um, I've got a pretty good life, and that's not arrogant. I'm just saying I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I've lost. I've, I've been through some terrible stuff, but um, I can't let those. As the talk coach, beyond, I can't let two bad days outshine all the other great ones. So I mean, I got to go to got got to grow up in the in america i gotta have an amazing childhood go to school get a great education go to michigan be on the team for four years now i'm married to the girl of my dreams i'm sure like yourself i outkicked my coverage big time (laughs) i mean it's like i don't know how my life could be better god bless you uh you know i i loved listening to uh part of that story where you talk about um, when your, your trainer talked about your rehab and, and when he was working with you and he's, he recalled the first day he met you and you looked at him and you said, you ready to be part of a miracle. And, and I thought that was awesome because I think every day, you know, you, you reference the 8 billion people in the world who have something going on. There's plenty of pain in this world, but when you wake up every day and, you know, imagine what this world could be like and the impact we can have on people's lives. If we looked in the mirror every day and asked ourselves, you ready to be part of a miracle? Because every day is a miracle, right? I mean, it's a miracle we're alive. But, you know, you know, think about that. If everybody could look in the mirror and say to themselves, are you ready to be part of a miracle today? And then went out and lived to be a blessing in others' lives like Coach Beeline said you have been for them uh, in that program and that team. You know, how great would this world be? No, I mean, yeah, I think that um, one thing I realized early on um, in my road to recovery was that um, it wasn't only about me. I was the one who was going through the recovery. I, I, I was the one that had to relearn how to walk and talk and basically I relearned how to live my life again after the second accident in 2011. 
but the way I responded to it, I realized early on it impacted everyone around me. And when we realize that how we respond, how we handle any situation impacts more people than just ourselves, I think we'll, we'll respond to it differently than if we think about, oh, okay, I'm the only one who's impacted by this. So why would I work this hard? Why would I get this uncomfortable? If it only, if it only impacts me, it's not worth mm-hmm. it. But if we realize that it's, impacting other people, our families, our friends, everyone who's connected to us in any way, you know, because how can I expect other people to overcome their challenges when I wasn't willing, if I wasn't willing to overcome mine, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my hope is that, you know, my hope was at least during when I was on the road to recovery on those tough days when other people would be going through things of their own, they'd all have challenges, as I mentioned, but if they could see me working my tail off to get better, maybe that was motivating, inspiring, I don't know what the right word is, but hopefully it kind of made them want to push a little harder to overcome whatever they face too. Yeah, I think that's the path to joy <clears throat> and the path to peace is to really live a life for others, you know, versus a life for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed the people that are the happiest, the people that are most joy filled are those individuals that are living a life that is geared or focused towards others in some type of servant manner, or at least yeah. having others in mind. And I think you're a living example of that because you're not living for yourself now or, or only. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think that, um, you know, so I, I went to, I was fortunate to have a mood. So after the accident, um, for my kind of my year of prep school, if you will, before I went to Michigan, I went out to California to live with my aunt and uncle. They lived, they lived in Pasadena, they live in Pasadena. Um, but I went to Loyola High School in downtown LA, about a mile from the Staples Center. Mm. And, um, mo- you know, one of, one of, you know, Loyola's things is, they pride themselves on, you know, being men for others, mm-hmm. right? That's like kind of their, one of their, their mantras, their doctrines, but their core, core beliefs. And, you know, if we, if we, yeah, like you said, if we could all actually think about that, like being men and women for and with others, that's their thing for men, raising men, because it was an all boys school, raising men for and developing men for and with others. Um, you know, if we can have people who are you know, thinking about other people first, rather than just thinking about how does this serve me? What can I gain from this? It's like in sports, it's like, it doesn't matter what I gain. It matters what the team gains. It's like, you know, at this feeling, one of the things I talk about when I speak actually is about the team first mentality. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the we before the me, thinking about, you know, how can I serve my teammates? How can I, how can I make a rising tide lift all boats, right? If I can fill my role 1% better, that's going to make the team perform. Maybe, maybe if I perform 1% better, it doesn't mean the team performs 1% better, but if I perform better, it'll make the team better in some way. So, yeah, you mentioned grit the other day and the importance of grit to to survive. And and you know, I love when you reference being a man for others because <clears throat> I think one of the things our world lacks today is authentic masculinity and authentic femininity. But you know, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than authentic masculinity and authentic femininity when men and women or living that vocational call was God created and living how we were created to be not fake, right? You know, authentic masculinity is not machoism. Authentic masculinity is not boastful. Authentic masculinity is living for the other. It's sacrificial love. And you had mentioned to me um, the other day as we were having a conversation in preparation for today about living, uh, living for others and living a life that would make others proud is specifically your family in heaven. Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, my family was tragically taken from me, um, far too early. You know, whenever, whenever anyone's family is taken, it's too early. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for me, it was 
you know, terribly early or, or far too early, but they still have an impact on me every day. I still think of them every single day, countless times throughout the day. Um, and I just want to make them proud, you know, because I, I believe that I'm going to see them again someday. And, you know, I, I just, I hope that when, whenever that, whenever the good Lord calls me home, hopefully that's in, you know, 70 plus years when I'm 95 after I've lived an incredible life, had incredible children, grandchildren, maybe great grandchildren, not to look too far ahead. Yeah. But, you can tell you're you know, still a young man, by the way, because at your age, I think you're 25, 95 sounds pretty good. I'm 49. Yeah. I don't know how good 95 sounds right now because, you know, some things are already hurting and aching and creaking. <laughs> and you wonder if it's now, this is happening at almost 50, what's it going to be like at 95? But I admire your optimism for, you know, for your well, generation, for sure, 95 sure. might well, be hey, the yeah. new 60. Hey, you, you know, you know, actually, one of the things I also talk about when I speak is our optimism is a competitive advantage. Yep. Right. In, in, in any circumstance. Right. Because it's it's it, it, it takes no effort to be negative. There's there's plenty of negativity to focus on in the world. But choosing right. to spend that little extra effort to be positive, to be, you know, to be ha- have that growth mindset. And, right. And that, that it's contagious. But, yeah, you know, I think that. um there's there's too many reasons, too much good in the world. There's a lot of bad, there's a lot of negative stuff going on. Trust me, oh. of course I realize that. But turn on also social lots media. To be grateful for it too. Yeah, so. turn on social media if you want to see some negativity, right? Yeah, geez, or or any any news channel at six, you right. y'all get basically the, the same the same information, relatively speaking. Being that you're a younger guy, do you ever hear uh, Ronald Reagan's definition of the difference between an optimist and a pessimist? I feel like I have, but remind me. Yeah, so uh, President Reagan said an optimist comes downstairs on Christmas morning and finds a pile of horse manure under the tree and says, oh, baby, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. And uh, gets a little excited about the what can be versus focusing on just the uh, pile of manure that's left under the tree. So, um, Austin, in your story. I love that. Yeah, you, you can use that one. It's not mine. It's President Reagan's. So yeah. that's free to you to use. Um so you oh, talked thanks. about the importance of grit in, in life and the importance of grit in helping us overcome uh, overcoming the challenges that you faced and the challenges that we all face every day, given that we're all broken and all have a story. Can you walk us – and you've actually turned the word grit into an acronym that mean, each letter means something for you personally, and, and, and this is a great message of your story. Can you uh, walk us through what grit means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So grit's what I realized. It was going to take grit to over to get from a – a hospital bed, not being able to walk to playing for Michigan. And just to clarify, at the age of 18 or 17, was that what you were? When, 16, into, when it happened. 16? I committed, I committed as a sophomore the summer after my, right after my sophomore year, June of 2011. Yeah. Just finished my sophomore year a few weeks earlier. Coach Beeline, because Coach Beeline always waits till you have two years of, of academics, two years of high school, because he wants to see two years of good grades mm-hmm. before he offers you. So. Yeah, and you committed – at 16 years old, and then nine days after signing a letter of intent, you were in a car crash that put you in a coma for seven weeks, right? Where you, you essentially had to learn how to walk again and learn how and, – and while you were in that coma, there was concern that you'd never be able to speak again, let alone walk again. Yeah. And you fought back yeah, from that. A plane crash, tragically. That, yeah, that almost took my life. So Yeah. But, I mean, you, it's amazing that you went from being in a coma to a few short years later – being on scholarship, playing basketball in the Big Ten in the, at the University of Michigan. So how did grit take you from a coma and having to learn how to walk again 
to to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor? Yeah, well, you know, so I I didn't have I a little I I mean I was on the team for four years at Michigan, and I'd like to think I made a good impact. Um, but I scored one point in four years, and um, but right. I guess coming from where I came from, you know, it's you know, to the fact that I was all that almost die, I guess that's you know pretty cool. Well, that's um, also yeah. exactly one point more than most everybody in the world, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, so you know, it was it was, it was an honor and a privilege to be a part of the team at Michigan, and I'm so grateful for Coach Beeline and all he's done for me, and the fact that he honored my scholarship. I mean, it's huge, and that's actually something I talk about as well. I'll get into that in a couple of minutes, but in the grit message. But so grit to me is four letters. The four letters represent four key components. But I believe the grit is driven by or having a greater purpose for why we do what we do, first and foremost, because I believe if we're working just for ourselves, we're going to eventually hit some form of adversity and let that will probably cause us to give up or give in because we don't have a driving force for why we do what we do. Whatever the driving force is, it's different for everyone in the world, but we need to have something bigger than ourselves, your faith, your family, your friends, your teammates, the organization. Hopefully all of us are somewhat internally driven to be the best that we can be. Um, but I believe, I believe when we're driven by a greater purpose um, that'll drive us to do what it takes to get the job done. For me, it was, you know, honoring my family in heaven because um, they weren't, they tragically weren't with me, but I knew I had the opportunity to make them proud every single day about how I chose to respond. And still to this day, how I love my wife and how I'll someday, you know, be a father to our kids. And um, I know I have the opportunity to honor them every single day. So that's my greater purpose. And when you have that greater purpose, I think it'll drive the four key components of grit. The, the G stands for the growth mindset. The growth mindset believes that every setback, every failure, every adversity is really an opportunity. We can grow from anything we experience in life. I firmly believe that. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not the event that'll cause us to grow. I don't believe I grew from being in two plane crashes, almost losing my life and tragically losing my family. I didn't grow from that, of course, but I do believe I grew from how it forced me to respond, how it forced me to find a way because you know, on the road to achieving a goal, it's never gonna be a straight line. And mm -hmm. A lot of the time, we'll just have to find a way because we have this game plan um, of how we think things are going to go. And then the very rarely, um, never, she said never, will never go 100% according to our game plan. So we'll have to adapt a little bit and shift and, um, you know, just find a way to get the job done. So I think when we have that growth mindset, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the adversity we face as an opportunity to grow and get better. Um, the R in grit is the decision to be resilient. Uh, the decision to be resilient uh means we don't focus on our events, on the events that happen in our life. We don't focus on the things that happen to us. We focus on how we respond. We control the controllables. We, you know, why could, because my major, I wasn't particularly strong in economics at Michigan, but my major required it for better or worse. And one thing I do remember, not that I remember a whole lot about econ, was opportunity costs. And hmm. opportunity costs is basically the next best alternative that you give up by choosing one thing over another. So the opportunity cost of me being on a podcast with you is me being on a podcast with someone else, right? Or, 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 or should, I should say me being on a podcast with someone else, if I chose that over you, that would make me be giving up this time with you, right? right. Yeah, this is the next best alternative. So You made the I, best choice. Yeah, this is where you want to be, Austin, I think, right? <laughs> and when you have that, you know, going back to that, uh, you know, the focus you have, it makes me think so much of trustful surrender. And that's not, a, I'm not sure if that's a concept you're familiar with. There was an incredible book written by a, a, a monk in the 1600s, I believe, and he, he, he has this concept of trustful surrender. So, yes, you know, bad things are going to happen to us. Absolutely. But if we have this concept of trustful surrender that says 
we're going to surrender ourselves to God's will because he's told us we can trust him because he loves perfectly, then good things can come from that. And just as you did not ask for the bad things, those bad days, you look at the gift that you've been given in the, the return and your and what you've learned about yourself and the inspiration you've been able to be to others' lives and this incredible gift you are now to the world that you never asked for, but through the concept of trustful surrender, you're like, I'm open to God's plan. You know, I'm open to this goodness that we can do. And I just hear that message as a, you know, as a theme through, through your story. Yeah, no, thank you for your kind of words. really appreciate it. I love that whole idea of trustful surrender. It kind of reminds me of a quote that says, um, if you learn to use it right, the adversity you face can buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. And I think about that, like, you know what? I'm not thankful for what happened to me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but without it, had it not happened, I wouldn't be able to be an inspiration to others. And kind of how that whole idea that we were talking about being men for others, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you know, in the purest form of masculinity or femininity, whatever it is, you know, just, just thinking about, serving in every, in every aspect of our life. If you think about that, how can I serve? How can I make others better? How can I help people? I mean, that's a, it seems like that's a pretty good, you know, way to lead to a pretty, a pretty joyful and satisfying life. So um, I think that decision to be resilient, we focus on things that we control. And we also remember that, you know, how, like we were talking about how we respond to adversity, it doesn't only impact us. It, 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 like my response will impact you or my, or your response will impact me. So when you talk about that resiliency and, you know, not controlling, uh, not focusing on the things we can't control, that was also, I'm not sure if you know this, a theme of Coach John Woodens, another sure. basketball legend like you. And, yeah. you know, Coach Wooden said, if we focus on the things we cannot control, we drive up our stress and anxiety and we drive down our focus and performance. And yeah. when we focus on the things we can control – we drive up our focus and performance. We drive down our stress and anxiety. And for so yeah. many of us, when we see people that are that are all wound tight and they're you know anxious and they're filled with stress, it's always because they're focused on the things they cannot control. And they give power to these negative thoughts and these 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 things going on around them that they have no control over. Where if they just focus on doing the next right thing, it can yeah. bring peace and calm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, so I actually funny you mentioned Coach Wooden because I, I Coach Beeline won the John Wooden Award a couple years ago, which is given to the coach, of, you know, who has, you know, incredible character and integrity, goes about things the right way like Coach Wooden did. Mm-hmm. And Coach Beeline won that um, and he, had, he was honored by the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the Final Four in Minneapolis a couple years ago. And I, and I, I was asked to speak there to introduce him prior to the award which was a great honor. And, you know, one of Coach Wooden's um, keys to life was to pray for guidance, to count and give thanks for your blessings every day. And it's like, if you, if you do, if you do that, I mean, and then, and then that one other thing he said is coach, a quote, similar to what you said, coach Wooden said, if we spend too much time focusing on the things over which you have no control, it will adversely affect the things over which you have control, which is basically what you were exactly what you were saying. Mm-hmm. So, I think we make that decision to be resilient. We we can we focus on controlling the controllables. Um, the third component of grit to me is the eye is integrity, and of course, integrity is being honest, doing the right thing, and no one's looking. Of course, that's true, but I believe, especially in the context of overcoming any challenge or really achieving any goal, especially as a team, um, I think integrity is about following through on our commitments and doing what we said we would do, especially when our circumstances change. Coach Beeline offered me that scholarship when I was playing at a pretty high level on June fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in an accident nine days later and was almost killed. I couldn't play anymore. But his follow-through on, the, on on his offer to me 
didn't waver just because I couldn't do what he, he originally planned on me doing. He made a commitment. He even told me, he said, Austin, and I make a commitment. When I offer, I make a, a commitment. That's a, I make a commitment. And I think about that, like, in life, if we could have, when I speak to companies, you know, my message is like, man, maybe it's not my place to say this, but if we could have 100% of our team members who make it a priority to follow through on 100% of our commitments 100% of the time, that seems like that's only going to only, only make a positive impact, right? Because that's it. because for, even for me now, it's very easy to tell my wife, oh, she asked me, oh, yeah, yeah, honey, of course I'll do that. And then I'll get caught up doing something else or I'll forget about it or I'll just choose not to do it, right? right? But if I can, but like if, if I can make it a priority to follow through on everything that I commit to, whether it's a big commitment or a small one, if I can make it a priority to follow through on that 100% of the time, that seems like that's a good way to win where it's going to help us win over the long term. Yeah, integrity becomes a habit, right? I think is what yeah. I hear you saying. And, you know, the one thing about integrity that I love is even those that don't possess it, admire it. And it's amazing how when you talk about certain people, and like you mentioned, Coach Beeline, who's been an incredible blessing in your life. And as he told ESPN during your documentary, you were actually the one that was a blessing in his life. But when you look at somebody like him who possesses integrity, even people that don't possess integrity look at him and go, he's a really good guy. That's that's impressive. And even people that don't possess integrity admire it. And, you know, it's just one of those little paradoxes that I've noticed over the years. Yeah, well, I mean, and it, it's the other thing is that, you know, you, you were saying even those who don't possess it can admire it. I think we can all lead by example. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who, you know, what level, whether you're, whether you're Coach Beeline or you're a more junior level coach or, like, or, or whatever your role is in any organization. Um yeah, so the last letter of Brit. Every day, you know, just to say, I love what you're sharing there because everybody has an opportunity every day to be a blessing to someone else. Just, For sure. You know, my daughter, Gina, who's, she's 17, she's a senior in high school. She read a story one day about somebody who was suffering and they were thinking of committing suicide, taking their own life that day. And someone came up to them and said, hey, I really like your dress or, you know, hey, you, you look nice today. And it was just that little bit of encouragement that person needed to fight for another day. And Gina's internalized that and known that to the point where when we're out in public, she looks for people to give compliments to. You know, she'll just walk up to somebody and find them and be like, hey, your hair looks great. Or, hey, I love your outfit. I love that person. Just to try to be that little blessing in someone's day. You know, and that's one of the things I admire about her and one of the reasons I respect her so much. But Yeah, Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So the the last letter of grit to me is T. Um, T to me is the team first mentality. I think we should always think about the team first. We should train ourselves to think about the we before the me. Uh, I believe that we should train ourselves to think, you know, what can we do to help the we succeed rather than what can I do to help the me succeed? Because the great thing is when the we succeeds, the me will succeed too, right? And, you know, at Michigan, I mentioned that I scored one point in four years uh, playing for Coach Beeline, but I was part of the team and, you know, did whatever I could. And he actually posted something on Twitter um, the Big Ten Network posted something about the free throw that I made, um, you know, you know, five years ago. Uh, you know, they posted them all, you know, one of the great moments of Michigan history in, in recent years and, you know, incredible story, something like that. And Coach Beeline said it was one of the best days of his life. He said, for anyone who's not going to see Austin play in high school, he was tremendous. I thought he was going to be a three or, three or four-year starter at Michigan, but he gave us more than that with his attitude. He was a huge part of our success. And I, I say that. I'm not trying to say, look, like, look what a great, you know, influence I was on my team all I'm trying to say is I scored one point in four years and the head coach said you know I was a big part of the other team's success maybe I was maybe I wasn't but I'm just thinking like 
like I said before, a rising tide lifts all boats. If all I could do was bring a positive attitude to practice every day, bring positive energy, cheer my teammates on, encourage them, and shag, shag balls in practice, the better than they've ever been shagged in the history of Big Ten basketball. If all I could do is unload luggage on road trips, better than luggage that had ever been unloaded in Michigan history. If that's what I could do, that's what I could do, right? And I would, I would have loved, I would have loved to score and rebound and play defense and be on the court in the national championship game. But if all I could do is, is unload the luggage from the bus to the, from the plane to the bus, bus to the plane on that trip, yeah. if I could unload that luggage one percent better, maybe it help my teammates play one percent better, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to say something after that. I mean, I'm just <laughs> totally humbled. You know, I love that attitude of, you know, if, if I could be the best ball shagger in the history of the Big Ten, that's what I'm in for. What an attitude. I mean, that's the type of attitude that becomes a blessing to others. And and I love that attitude because so much of the coaching we do with people, we see that difference, right? You know, I could see that difference in the coaching calls we get on when we're doing executive coaching from the person that's grateful for where they are and just realizes the impact and the blessing they could be on other people's lives versus the person that's always frustrated because something's not going the way they want it. Um, you know, you mentioned grateful. Grateful is actually uh, our, our family virtue of the year. And I think, I think it's, there's a grateful sign behind me if I'm not mistaken, right? So grateful gratitude is our virtue of the year. And every night before bed, we like to go around the horn when we say our family prayers and everybody has to say one thing they're grateful for that day. And it, when you take that, that attitude of gratitude and overuse cliche, but when you take that attitude of gratitude into your life, it's difficult to not find joy. It really is. And, you know, a friend of mine, um, his name's Chris Donahue, and Chris likes to always say, lack of gratitude is the enemy of joy. And, you know, Austin, when I look at your life, I see joy, and I also see no lack of gratitude. So I think that those, those go together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the, the, there's two things I'd like to add on to that quickly. Um, it's hard to be stressed or negative. It's hard to be stressed and grateful or negative and grateful at the same time, right? If we focus on what we're grateful for, we're probably not good. There's, there's not much to be negative about, man. You know what? I, I don't have everything in life that I want, but man, I got a lot of things to be grateful for. Yeah. Right. If you think about that, it's like, I mean, that, I'm not going to say that drowns out or that ignores all the negative, but it's just like, man, I mean, and if, if, if you think about it and if the thing about that, I, I think grateful is a, so being grateful is a source of optimism. They kind of go together. And if our optimism is a competitive advantage, and if, if the decision to be grateful can lead to optimism, which is a competitive advantage, why wouldn't we do that? Like, if, if you know, it's scientifically proven that if you think the shot's going in, there's a better chance that it's going to go in than if you think you're going to miss it, right? Mm -hmm. literally, or, literally or metaphorically speaking. So if you, th if, you, if you believe the best is yet to come, it will be. And maybe, it's, maybe it doesn't happen tomorrow or next week. But if you, if you just keep working at things hard enough and for the right reasons and control all the controllables, good things are bound to happen eventually. Yeah, and you even had a chance to quote Frank, Frank Sinatra there, so that's great. The best is yet to come. 
yeah. and, and I like that too. So, uh, you know, Austin, I, I admire that attitude. I admire the example you've been. And, you know, as I said, we go around the horn at night every night saying what we're grateful for. And I can assure you tonight when I look at my family, I'm going to be grateful for the fact that I had an opportunity to spend time with you today. And I'm grateful for the fact that you and I have become friends, I think, and uh, awesome. that you're in my life. So, <clears throat> and I'm grateful for you you sharing your story with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with this uh, uh, with this incredible attitude you have, this incredible outlook on life you have, and how you share this story with others now. Tell us a little bit about your public speaking and and uh, that message that you deliver. Yeah, so we, uh, we went through it, um, you know, the, the whole grit framework, but that's essentially my message. And I, and I tailor every message to fit the organization that I'm speaking to. Um, you know, I don't speak to a high school or college the same way that I speak to, you know, a company like Ford or Accenture mm-hmm. or, a big, or a big finance firm like Thrive Financial or, or Northwestern Mutual. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think that the, the unfortunate thing is everyone in the world has adversity to overcome. Mm-hmm. But I also look at that as it's an opportunity. Adversity is opportunity because I focus on without the fact that without the adversity we couldn't overcome. If there was no, if there was nothing to overcome, we wouldn't overcome, right? If if life was seamless, there'd be no reason to work hard and get better and overcome things. But yeah, so I think you know my message. Hopefully, it's encouraging and maybe puts things in perspective for people. Um, yeah, and just the, the whole grit message, the whole idea. You know, having that growth mindset, being resilient, operating with integrity at all times, always following through on our commitments and thinking about the team first. You know, I believe that's a good recipe for success. Or not maybe not success, it's a good recipe um, to overcome. Because that's what it took for me. And maybe when I speak to when I speak to, to an audience of, you know, however big the audience is, 50, 100, couple hundred, whatever, if one person from that audience can take away something that will help them overcome the adversity they face in their life, I feel like that's then I've done my job. So I'm just grateful for any and all opportunities to add value and be an inspiration um, to others and help them help them overcome whatever obstacles they're facing in their life. Yeah, it's funny. I think that when I hear you talk, there's this this you know tangible, this this palatable sensation of <clears throat> future orientation, and so many people live with a prior orientation, right? Always looking back thinking about with regret things that didn't go their way, things that couldn't have things they don't have. You have an incredible future orientation where you're you're comfortable making sacrifices for something being better down the road. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whether that's better for you or better for others. And and I love that future orientation, which is another component of people that are joy filled. So I don't know if you've ever thought of that or heard of that. No, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, um I think I, I try to do something every day that'll help me prepare for where I want to be tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Right. And, and I, I think about it this way. Um, when I was playing basketball, something I always tried to remember and I was working to get better every day. That was the, the, and the journey was to be the best basketball player that I could be. That was the goal when I was, you know, when I was in middle school and high school. Um, something I always remember is that, a quote that says there's someone out there working to get better right now. And since I'm not, that person is going to win every time. So if every day that I'm not working at my craft, if not, if I'm not working to get better, to build our business, to build our influence, to expand our reach of the message every day that I'm not doing that, that's a day that I actually get worse because I believe 
progress is relative to where we currently are, mm-hmm. right? And so staying the same is actually getting worse, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to grow this this speaking business and you know, influence and hopefully inspire as many people as we possibly can, one person at a time. And if I if we can leave leave people or continue to leave things a little better than we found them, that's that's kind of my mission. One of my life mottos is something my dad did. Um, is he left every person a little better than he found them. And he was a doctor. And so maybe that was by treating their pain and changing their life. Or maybe it was, you know, something, a, a smaller example, maybe not anything life changing, just by like kind of how your daughter, you know, that, that late, that woman who was, you know, thinking about, you know, doing the unthinkable. And then she said, Hey, your dress looks really nice. Or she does that something like that every day. If you can do something like that every day to leave people a little better than we found them, that's a good way to to put ourselves where we want to be in the future. Yeah. And I think it's the best recipe or prescription for us to find our own joy. Sure. Right. And you had a lot of people that helped you in your recovery and a lot of people that helped you develop this attitude. I think for those who don't, I always share with people when we keep our ideas and our, our, our concerns in our head, they get really big. Like you think about an idea that can, can swell and consume your whole head, right? And it just paralyzes us with thought. But as soon as we get that idea out and we share it with someone else, that idea that was the size of our head is so small compared to everything else. It's manageable. And for those that are struggling with, uh, you know, things that they have to overcome, thing, people are struggling with challenges. I think it's so important to lean into others and develop that support network and look to somebody who can be a mentor, much like you had, right? You know, the people that helped you on the way. Uh, because when we hold those things inside, they're paralyzing and they're so big. But as soon as we get them out of our head, they become very small when we share them with others. No, really do. Really do. That's so true. And I think that, um, yeah, finding having people in our life that we can share things with and invent to, so to speak, and get things off our chest. And um, I think it's really important. It's really important. And, yeah, I think just, just something that I learned, especially on my road to recovery, you know, having that, having those mentors, having those people in your life who push you to be the best that you can be, because I do think it's important to be internally driven, right? But we also need people in our life who are going to push us to get better, because because when we think we get, there's actually, um, you know, um, uh, Navy, so in Buds, this basic underwater diving school for the Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. they have something they call the 40% rule, um, which is, I think it's pretty, it, it's like scientifically proven that when you think you've given everything, you like you're you're complete. You think you're completely gassed. You really still have forty percent left, wow. right? So it's like that's what they say after they after those guys don't they'll, they'll run like part of their you know their the but I've never been through that obviously. But I think you know they'll they'll have them swim two miles, then run you know a marathon, and they finish, and then twenty minutes later they got to run another marathon or something something crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, like just something you know, something that none of us can really comprehend. But yeah, as soon as you think you've given everything you have, you really still have about forty percent left in your tank. And so I think you know, having those people who can push us to get to that forty percent and and get and give it give our the rest of what we have left and get and cause us to get uncomfortable. That's really where we grow the most. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think having those people in our life who push us to be the best we can be is so important. Well, God bless you, Austin. If people listening to this want to get in touch with you, want to learn more about you, is there a website, Facebook, LinkedIn, any of those things you'd like to share? Um, 
Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, the website is actually a few, it's a couple weeks away. It's actually, we're going to review it with the designer next week. Um, so that, oh yeah, hopefully, it'll, and I think it looks like it's going to be pretty good and it'll have a lot of good information in that, that URL, which will be live. And I think, I think in about a week um, is austin-hatch.com. Austin-hatch.com. Please check that out uh, for any of you who uh, have folks you lead and looking for a story of inspiration and someone that can deliver it. I think Austin does an incredible job. And Austin, thank you for being a blessing in our life. Thanks for being on Total Growth today. And uh, God bless all you do here in the future. Thank you very much for the time. I really appreciate it. I'll be with you. God bless. And I wish you and your listeners all the very best. So thanks, thanks buddy. Be well. Take care. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Total Growth.